0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to True Transform with Reverend Gale McDowell. I'm your host, Reverend Gabriel McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. I'm in the midst of a series right now called The Dynamic Laws of Healing. I thought it would be over with by now, but um, we missed a few weeks taking care of other things, and I want to make sure that we're playing catch up so you can get what you need. The book based the series based upon the book The Dynamic Laws of Healing by Catherine Ponder is an absolute masterpiece when it comes to spiritual healing and it is my hope and prayer that you actually bought the book that you are working with the book that you are uh, by reading it and applying what you have learned from reading the book and hopefully my insights you know, because I'm trying to pull stuff out, add my own stuff to it as God gives it to me, my own understanding and my own experience. We're working with spiritual healing. Now, this chapter I'm going to teach today is a very unique chapter because it has a different angle. And she calls it the mystical law of healing. This is chapter 11, the mystical law of healing. And It's really talking about, in the process of prayer, writing prayers out to what she calls the angel of the individual that needs healing help. What what does that mean? She's using a, a metaphysical interpretation of the book of Revelation when the letters went to the seven churches, and she's using that symbolically as seven different types of personalities. And the idea behind it is, instead of directly praying with someone for healing, that you would actually write out letters to that individual calling forth what I would call the wholeness of God, the divine pattern, the Christ within, the indwelling Christ, the I am. She's saying, write to the angel. It's the same thing. So, you know, when I first came around New Thought Circles at Christ Universal Temple, people used to use this term, Numaskar. A more modern version of it is Namaste now, which people would say, you know, the, I salute the divinity within you. We would, you know, put a Christian touch on it and say, I behold the Christ in you. I behold the Christ in you. And what that was saying, and sometimes people would say, the Christ in me beholds the Christ in you. The Christ in me. Beholds the Christ in you. Now, sometimes if you say that to someone outwardly, they might have conscious mind resistance. So sometimes just saying the Christ in me beholds the Christ in you in your own prayer work, in your own meditation work, in your own spiritual practices can sometimes bypass the energetic resistance that people's conscious thoughts, personalities, and opinions can have. Uh, Reverend Ike says this is speaking directly into the subconscious that's how he would teach it however you look at it the idea behind it is it's helping you get into the consciousness that you need to get into and it's also calling forth the divine intelligence life and substance within another individual to help them so literally saying the Christ in me beholds the Christ in you not necessarily directly to them, not audibly to them, but in your own private time, can actually help someone who outwardly will resist this spiritual talk or outwardly will resist it for whatever the variety of reasons a person might consciously resist. Fear, doubt, frustration, anxiety, uh too much, you know, reasonable thought that this spiritual stuff can't work, et cetera, et cetera. So what she's doing in this chapter is looking at how that process can work. What is necessary to make that process work? Why is it necessary for that process to work? All of these things are necessary because if you don't realize that, what can end up happening in real time is, is you might be bumping your heads up against something because you haven't got to the point to where you realize it's not your personality helping another personality. It's not your body helping another body. It is the presence of God in you helping the presence of God in another. That's key. The presence of God in you helping the presence of God in another. It's the Father within me that does the work. I want that to be clear. It's the Father within me that does the work. It's not, oh, I'm spiritually smart. It's not, oh, I read all these books. Oh, it's not, oh, I you know I, I attended these classes and seminars. or oh, I listen to Neville Goddard or whoever on on uh, YouTube. It's not about that. The Father and I, the Father in me, does the work. This is why Jesus said, "Of myself, I can do nothing." He wasn't saying he wasn't devaluing himself. He was trying to help those who were listening recognize that he was tapping into something within himself that does the work and you can tap into something within yourself that does the work i want to be clear about this you're tapping into something whether you call that something god principle creative life you know infinite wisdom infinite potentiality divine possibility the field divine mind, it doesn't make a difference. Whether you call it Yahweh, Jehovah, Jesus, Allah, you're tapping into something that does the work. It's not human personality that heals. It's not human personality that transforms. The human personality is a conduit the mind is a conduit through which the divine principle, the creative life, the divine mind, the I am works. So, yes, you gotta have your mind where it needs to be, your thinking where you need it to be, your feelings where you need it to be, your beliefs where you need it to be. So your consciousness can be a conduit for the divine flow. You're not healing people from the human perspective, but the capital Y-U, Y-O-U, the Christ in you, does the work. That you heal. That you transforms. That you prospers. That you expresses as grace. That you. And I want you just to be present to that as I go through these lessons, because She's going to use some different language, you know, like the, to the angel of this. And the angel just symbolizes, uh, you know, the, the divine inspiration. Angel means a messenger of God. So these divine spiritual impulses, energies, and forces, you can call those your angels if that's what you choose. What I say is do what works. If writing angel works for you, great. If writing Christ, Jesus, Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, uh, or any other term, you know, works for you, use it. Use it because it's just a label or a different label on the same thing. And I know that a lot of religious people wouldn't say that, but it's just a label, different label on the same thing. I can call it something else and it's the same thing. One of my spiritual mothers, God bless her soul, she passed away last year. The Reverend Dr. Evelyn Boyd she used to say, You can call it peanut butter because principle, divine principle is principle. It's faceless. It's it's nameless. It's invisible energy intelligence. We call it God. That's our word. That's our word. But it just is. And when you get in contact with the isness of God in you, the isness of God, the allness of God can express as the uniqueness called you in the form of healing, prayer, healing, prosperity, joy, love, harmony, and all that other good stuff. Now, let's get to the chapter The Mystical Law of Healing, chapter 11. She wrote, An unhealthy woman lamented, all my problems revolve around other people. If I didn't have to live in the world with people, I would have no problems. I thought that was rather funny because obviously that's not necessarily true. People will create problems even if they live by themselves. An unhealthy person is an unhappy person, one who usually has human relations problems. Health problems indicate people problems. Now, what Catherine Ponder just did was connect relationships whether, and I don't mean relationships from the standpoint of family or intimate relationships, I'm talking about human interaction. But the deeper the human interaction, the more power it can potentially have in your experience. Human interaction with potential health issues. Okay. We know that interactions with other individuals Based upon the perception, how it occurs to an individual can create health problems in the body: stress, blood pressure, uh, internal organs, you know, ulcers, you know, digestive issues, et cetera, et cetera. This is not a secret. People already know this. We've even come up with terms like "you're getting on my last nerve." Why? You know, I just can't stomach it. Why you know he's a hothead. He's you know we, we come up with language to explain bodily how we feel. I felt like I I got stabbed in the back. you know, you know, I feel like I got stabbed in the heart or something like that. you know because these you know this is the language we use to describe perception in the form of physicality. So we already know this to be true. All right, back to the book. It is, she wrote, it is one of the basic teachings of psychology that all environments, circumstances, conditions, and people who come near you existed as ideas in your own mind. One of the great secrets of establishing healthy relationships with others is to learn how to clear and harmonious ideas about them from your own thinking. So what she, she's saying now is, that, as I often say, we are mental fields that are always radiating and attracting. So we're attracting people, places, and things based upon what we radiate. Now, included in that context of that statement is that the subconscious mind will sometimes draw experience and situations to us to help us grow and evolve into our, our higher awareness, to work through the things that are stagnant in the soul so we can. Continue to grow Christ's work, God work. In other words, continue to evolve as spiritual beings. So I always put that in context. So she went on to write: the great minds of all ages have known that if you deal exactly, uh, deal exactly right with your own thinking, the people around you will respond with right attitudes and conditions, either by becoming harmonious in your midst or moving out of your life, finding their good elsewhere. I'm going to add one other thing. Yes, when you get your thinking and feeling right, when you get your beliefs right, when you get your attitudes right, yes, the situations around you will adjust, but it will adjust in, I think, three ways, not two. She said, by becoming more harmonious in your midst. That is one option. You get yourself, your consciousness in divine order, people tend to recalibrate around it. Two, she wrote, they'll move out of your life finding their own good elsewhere. I agree with that as well, because now you're not in, your energy is not in harmony with them. You know, it's like an energetic signature. You don't, you realize, you know, things that used to bring, attract people, now propel, push away. So they will go on to their own experience. But I think there's a third option. And the third option is, you use wisdom and you move away. Everybody doesn't have to leave you. Sometimes we're waiting for people to leave and we need to get up and go. So part of your spiritual growth is knowing when when the harmony shows up, yes. When people leave, great, bless them on their way. And three, when you need to get up and go. Because sometimes when you're waiting for somebody else to go, you're on their time and their dime versus being in the space to where you're making a conscious act of choice for your own well-being. Now, let's get to the method. All right. Page 182. She wrote, you can employ this mystical law of healing secretly with words. True angels are words. True words are alive with power. True words are health-producing, harmony-producing. There is a definite definite way you can employ words and produce harmonious results. So when she's saying true words, she means words that are based on the truth about God and the truth about you. True words that are based upon divine principle. True words that are based upon divine ideas. True words. All right? So she wrote the ancients, whoever they were, because I don't know where she got this method from. She doesn't say. The ancients felt that every person has an angel or higher self. See, I would use higher self, not angel. That's just my way of thinking. Do what you feel as though is best. They felt that you can reach that person's higher self through, excuse me, they felt that when you cannot reach that higher, that person's higher self through reasoning with him or even through the usual methods of prayer, you can reach his higher self by writing to his angel. They believe that the angel of God's presence is a miracle working presence that is available to everyone. So, what does that mean? You're praying about a situation, no breakthrough. You're trying to communicate traditionally with a person, no breakthrough. She's saying pen and paper and sit down and write a letter to the higher self or angel of that individual, proclaiming truth, harmony, divine order, whatever you need, whatever you're seeking to get out of that situation. But I would say it needs to be positive, uplifting, and Absolutely consistent with truth with no judgment, no condemnation, no criticism. It has to be higher and above regular human thought. All right, back to the book. She wrote By writing to a person's angel, you establish in your own thinking a harmonious feeling about that person. Instead of continuing to see him as a person with horns, meaning evil, I guess, that person can also that person also has a higher spiritual self that can be reached and will respond harmoniously. Now, this reminds me of a exercise that I did many years ago, probably 20 years ago or so now where um, I had one of my, some students of mine, write. Uh, not right. I had to them, uh, I did two different things. The first one was go, I told them to go to Walgreens or a store that sells greeting cards. Find the best and most expensive greeting card they can find uh, for a person that they have issues with they could have a relative coworker ex spouse it didn't make a difference to me supervisor at work it didn't make a difference. Get the card the best card you can find and mail it to someone even if you have to have somebody else write the name of the person on the outside of the card to where, and mail it to them anonymously so they could not get credit because, you know, the ego will say, you know, uh, I'm being spiritual. I'm being so loving and forgiving, but I want credit for that forgiveness. And my thing was, okay, trust the process that the father within you will do the work. And, And everybody in the class, but one person did it because she couldn't write a letter excuse me, buy it, I write a letter, buy a card and send it anonymously to her brother. And and we talked about it. Uh, you know, I wasn't trying to force anybody to do anything they weren't ready. But, w- but this is what I realized when I had the class do the exercise. She wasn't the only person who had a lot of inner resistance with getting up, driving to the store, buying a standing in an out finding an expensive card that said all of these nice words about somebody they had issues with. What I was trying to do was have them pull that energy up so it could be healed, so it could be released. So I was using a method to help them get past the blockage by sending something to someone and getting no credit. I told them, it's like, if you live with the person, make sure that you don't use your own handwriting. It might be the person sleeping on the next pillow. The issue that comes in a play is no credit. Another thing I remember having a a class do is, it was this prayer that um, I used to use a lot called I Behold the Christ in You. Uh, Unity used to sell it as a little card. I'm sure you can Google Unity, I Behold the Christ in You, and it'll pop right up. It starts off like, I Behold the Christ in You and You, the light of God I see. I behold the Christ in you. I can see you whole and free. So I had people buy it, put a person's name above every part. It's like a, It reads like a poem, basically. P- put a person's name, and if they had a picture, even better. Staple the picture. This is pre-people uh, walking around with iPhones and Samsungs. And look at that picture and say that prayer about the person. Oh, my God, the resistance that came from that. Because most of the people that had issues were dealing with family issues. Again, ex spouses, children, parents, siblings, cousins, friends of friends, co-workers. So many of them had pictures of the people that they had issues with. And they have to audibly say their name. And then behold, say, I behold the Christ in you, oh my God, it brought up so much resistance. I love that type of work though, because what it does is it brings up the blockage. It brings, excuse me, it brings up an, an awareness of the blockage. Now you can't deny that this is something that's blocking my blessings. Because what's blocking you internally will block you externally. So the more you clean up and c- Consciousness and soul consciousness, the more you clean up in life, world, and affair. I hope that makes sense. The more you clean up in consciousness, the more you clean up your life. There's no other way for me to say that. It's important for you to recognize that as you use this method of writing, sitting down, and writing out a letter to someone's higher self, or she says, angel, you are actually clearing up your own stuff, but you're also cl- helping them clear up their stuff unconsciously. You're praying for someone. Sometimes they don't realize they're being prayed for. You know, and when I was younger, it used to be this gospel song that people used to play. I don't know how long it is, how old it is. It's a it's a very old song. And the song was, I had a praying grandmother. And what that song was about, old gospel song, was there was somebody that was praying for you and you didn't realize you needed that prayer. And maybe some of the things that you got out of that you should have paid for, for real, that you put yourself into, you only got out of because somebody else was praying. Somebody else was invoking the grace of God in your life. Just putting that out there. And I recognize that because I really did have a praying (laughs) grandmother. I actually wrote an article about my grandmother. Um, and it's it's in the, uh, if you go to unity.org, uh, it's a booklet. Let me see here. It's called From Black Church to New Thought. And I have one of the articles in it. If you go to unity.org, you should be able to pull it up. From Black Church to New Thought in order. It's something like a dollar or two or something like that. There, um, I, I talked about growing up with a praying sanctified grandmother and seeing the power of God in action, even though I didn't accept the theology, it made it easier for me to accept new thought later because I knew that the God thing was real. I just didn't, I had questions about how it was being taught to me. All right. So um, page 184, she wrote, The word right means to engrave, to form, to make a deep and permanent impression. Written words do just that; they make a deep, permanent impression upon the ethers on the universe. Therefore, thereby, rather, forming definite results from the ethers. Now, ethers is an old term, metaphysically people used to use, or you know, people now use the quantum field or the collective consciousness or the energy, blah blah blah. It'll make a difference to me what term you use. The idea behind, oh, universe—that's the other term, universe. So. Whatever term you use, the point that I'm trying to make is the writing process helps you get clear and clean and unblocks you, and it can directly connect with, uh, subconsciously, with the higher self and someone else. But you don't have to believe me or Catherine Ponder. You can try it for yourself. Now, that doesn't mean you do it three times and all of a sudden it's over. Can that work? Yes. Will it always work? You don't know how much blockage you're dealing with and the other individual is working through. Therefore, sometimes this method might require days of doing it, a month of doing it, just getting clear. But as I've often said on this show, like Jacob said to God in the wilderness, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. There is a time for release, but the release is an internal process that says, okay, I've done everything I was supposed to do. I've planted the seed properly. I've watered the seed, the, the earth. Now I have to release. And you and I can't tell you how the release process works for you. It's an internal thing that says, okay, having done all that I can, I stand. All right, back to the book. Uh, let me see here. She wrote, written words are an excellent method of healing because written words also make a deep impression upon the consciousness of those whom they are written, of those to whom they are written, Many a case of sickness and in harmony would be quietly resolved that someone would write out good words about the people and situations involved. However it goes, it still requires work. As Johnny Coleman used to say, it works if you work it. He would also say, I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. You got to make it work. You got to make it work. It's your thing to make it work. All right. So we're going to take a quick break here uh, before we get into the seven churches or the seven personality types. So uh, let me give you a couple of quick commercials. I already gave told you about from Black Church to New Thought. I want to remind you that this page, this podcast, has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Gail McDowell. It's a quick, easy way to get in contact with me. If you have questions or comments, or as I stated in the last podcast, you want to tell me about how you have benefited from this podcast, Uh, you might want to reach out and say, hey, how can I support you? You know, this is not a a nonprofit thing, but some people say, hey, we want to gift you. You blessed us. And, you know, what's your cash app? Or, you know, what's your Zelle or whatever? And if that's something you want to do, I would greatly appreciate it. I'm pro get the blessings. And I believe that a, a laborer is worthy of his or her hire. Um, also, I'm on Instagram. Um, I had a, a, a extra Instagram page, but my page is the one with me standing, posing, whatever. You open it up, it's, it's an open page. You see me, you see my wife and other stuff and me posting stuff. So it's easy to figure out which page is mine. And um, again, reach out to me. Let me know what's going on. Let me know how you're using this material. I want to know do me the favor, because I know I have a lot of listeners. That's one thing I do know, because I see the I see the analytics. So I know you all are out there in multiple countries listening to this in the United States and multiple states in Canada, in Mexico, in the Caribbean, in um, multiple countries in Africa. I know you're out there. I want to hear from you. I've been doing this podcast since tw- March of 2012. So it's important to me that I Am connected to to you uh, to to you all, and we get this good together. All right, that's my goal. So, let me know. We're gonna take this quick break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transformed. The Reverend Gary McDowell. All right, let's get back to the book, Dynamic Laws of Healing, Catherine Ponder. So let's get into how she's going to handle the uh, what I'm calling the, excuse me, hit my microphone here, the, the process of writing to the angels and the different angels. Now, I'm not going to teach this soup to nuts because I, I want you to be able to get the book and read it and work through it yourself but I'm going to do an overview of these seven churches. Now, again, she ta- she's using this from the book of Revelation in uh, chapter two and three, where he, the John the Revelator is writing to these churches. And let me just say this, by the way, if you end up going to the book of Revelation and doing the reading on this, uh, this book is highly symbolic. Please don't take it literally. Please. Now, You know, I've been, I've even done a a show or two, if you go back through the archives on the book of Revelations from a metaphysical perspective, I I interviewed a person who wrote a book on it. I can't remember his name right now. He's actually deceased now. But if you go back through the archives far enough, some years back, we talked about this and I might do something on this later. The only reason why I haven't done it myself is because I'm so intense about proper metaphysical Bible interpretation. That I would end up pulling stuff from everywhere. I would have Charles Fillmore stuff and and Elizabeth Sand Turner and I got other books on the metaphysical interpretation of Revelation. I got the uh 18 old school cassette tapes of Rocco Erico teaching it from the Aramaic uh and Hebrew perspective only, the Aramaic translation. I got all type of stuff. Uh and I'm like, okay. For me to do that level of deep dive, I might have to have you all uh put that in the series and have you all pay for it as a package. If that's something you want, let me know. Send me a message to Truth Transformers or Reverend Gailey McDowell. If I do all that work, I'm gonna have to get some dime. I'm gonna have to get some paper for that. Some 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 dollars and cents. But if that's something that you want, uh I'm more than willing to look at it. But I, I for that level of work and effort, I'm like, that would require Just the 22 chapters of uh, 22 chapters, I believe, in the book of Revelation would probably require minimally in hours, maybe triple that to do it the way I would want to do it. And then, of course, I would have to figure out what to charge for that. But anyway, if you want the Reverend Galen McDowell, the hardcore metaphysician, to make a special series that you are willing to pay for on the book of Revelation then inbox me at Truth Transforms uh, uh, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell on Facebook or send me a uh, message on Instagram and say, hey, I want that and I'm willing to pay for it. And then we can make it work. All right. So the first thing, page 185, she wrote first how to reach the excitable type unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, which is Revelation chapter two, verse one. She wrote, The word Ephesus means desirable appealing, you know, appealing people who are hard to reach. Their outward life is full of excitement. And she talks about all the outward things that they like to do and their appearance and things of that nature. Now, one of the things that I noticed in the midst of this is she talks a lot about people having issues in their body, stomach area. And I think this has a lot to do with um, when you start doing metaphysics at a different level, you start realizing that the faculties in the head. Um uh, she does a lot of stuff around Charles Fillmore's excuse me concept of 12 powers and uh and also the subconscious things that are more subconscious affecting the body system internal, you know, like neck down, the you know, lower neck down, versus the other things affecting the more conscious mind faculties affecting the neck up. And, you know, so I'm noticing in in this writing, she talks a lot about the stomach and digestive and things of that nature because we're talking about things at a deeper subconscious level. All right. So uh, she wrote, when when dealing with these type of people, they tend to have um, issues. She she wrote it this way. She said, they make a fine appearance. This is excitable type. They often live beyond their means and have financial as well as health problems. The health problems usually occur in the ganglionic center at the pit of the stomach, which controls and directs all the organs pertaining to digestion and assimilation. That is also in the concept of metaphysical concept of the twelve powers of man. That is also the seat of wisdom or judgment. Originally, it was called judgment by Charles Fillmore. Modern people talk, say wisdom, and they put judgment as a aspect of that wisdom, but it was originally called judgment. In other words there's an aspect within you that's supposed to help you make decisions, choices. And when that is out of order, it can show up as health issues in that area of your body. All right. So, so because sometimes you can also have all of these desires, but not a necessarily a good way in which you are harmoniously choosing them and and actualizing them. She wrote it this way. Desire is another name for constructive thought. When that desire is constructive, it forms healthy cells in the stomach and abdominal region. When that desire is destructive, and I don't say true desire is destructive, but get what she's saying, because I believe desire is a divine impulse of spirit. Uh, But let's go with her language. When that that desire is destructive and filled with negative emotion, it causes all kinds of health problems in that region. Thus, when you write to the angel of an Ephesian who has health problems, be sure to bless him with divine desire. I would add divine judgment and wisdom. All right. And then she gives an affirmation for that. I bless you with divine desire and divine fulfillment. You are satisfied with divine love now, health, harmony, and uh health and harmony are now establishing your mind, body, and affairs. This is an example. It doesn't mean you have to use it, soup to nut. Uh, now, I'm just gonna move on. But one of the things that she talks about uh she had to do when she was trying to collect a debt from somebody for some work she did, she wrote to the angel of John Brown, not literally John Brown, but to the angel of whoever the name is, because it's good to write if you're going to write this to the angel or to the higher self. You're literally writing, you're not talking, you're writing it out. You're to the angel of John Brown, let us say, I bless you and give thanks that you are handling this financial matter promptly and that I am immediately and completely paid. Now, it can be different things depending on what it is, but you want to be very direct in what it is that you, what is the positive and constructive outcome as you bless them. So I would probably write to the higher self or to the Christ of or to the I am of. That would be probably how I would write it. But if to the angel of makes more sense to you, then do it that way. All right. Second one is how to reach the bittersweet type. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And again, I'm skipping over some details. I want you to get the book. I want you to read and why she's coming up with these metaphysical conclusions. Because if you're just relying on me, then you're not relying on you reading the material and listening to me and then doing your own inner work with the book. So the Christ in you can give you the revelation. My job is to point you back to the truth in you. All right. She wrote, like the Ephesians, some Smyrnians make a fine appearance. That's all. They're also lovers of show, beauty, and adornment. They live beyond their means and usually have financial problems, which is similar to the others. When things go their way, they are sweet and harmonious people. When they do not get their way, their personalities reverse, and they become rebellious and bitter, and lament their lot in life. And then she gives a lot of stuff about what the, the substance center located in the pit, the stomach. Yet again. Why is she keeps talking about this particular area, having people having stomach problems? Because just like you can get have conge- uh, congestion and disruption in your stomach and abdominal and digestive tract, you can have that in your soul, but as within, so without. So as we let go of it energetically, we can also let go of it physically. All right. The reason why you might be getting sick might not be the re- because just because of food or diet alone or lack of exercise. Which you, I would say, eat right, take your vitamins, drink your water, get your exercise, do all those things. Because that's a part of wisdom as well. But at the same time, she's saying this one. I love this. This type. This type needs to let go of personal willfulness that the divine plan for the, so the divine plan for their lives can unfold. In other words, if I'm being too willful and trying to make it happen, I can make myself sick. You know, know, people who are sometimes so willful and driven that they actually make themselves sick, they create the ulcers and other stuff that's happening, they create the body breakdown. All right. So she gave an affirmation for them. You are satisfied with divine substance. Divine substance is doing its perfect work in your mind, body, and affairs, affairs and relationships now. Divine substance heals you now. Now, you would still write to the angel of or to the higher self of and then write a prayer like that, unless you're trying to get some type of conclusion like she did with the man who she needed the money from. And by the way, when she wrote that letter, she wrote it out 15 times in a row. Now, what you might have to do it 15 times in a row for 15 straight days or longer, depending on the blockage you got to get past, and to help them get past the blockage they got to get past. The third, how to reach the aloof intellectual type into the angel of the church of Pergamum, Pergamum right, which is Revelation chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, she wrote, this... The type is strongly united, closely knit in family, social, intellectual, and business relationships. The Pergamums are suspicious of new people, new ideas, new ways of doing things. They do not want to do anything or they do not want anything or anybody to interfere with their reasonable, well-ordered lives and theories. The Pergamum symbolizes metaphysically intellectual consciousness of man, which is filled with human intelligence, but is often closed. To the higher wisdom of divine understanding and intuition since the center of divine understanding in man is located in the forehead just above the eyes this type often has headaches and eye trouble so they're too stuck in their heads they're too stuck in their brains so much so that to the exclusion of the other attributes of the being body and the other attributes of their being that being that's stuck there. This is my way. I'm doing this. I'm not moving off of this. And sometimes it's good, but you got to be strong, but flexible. If you're strong and not flexible, like a tree, you break in the, when the storm show up in life. If you're always getting these, you know, banging headaches, you might just be too willful right now. And you'd have to release, and you know, and let go and let God. what I would say is, when she gives the affirmation here. Let me give it, and I'll give you my thoughts. You are letting divine intelligence express perfectly through you now. You see with the eyes of spirit. You have unlimited vision for seeing and experiencing the good. You are open and receptive to, the, to your highest good now in the form of new ideas, new understanding, and new experiences. What I would say is you have to learn how to be humble and say, okay, now my will, your will be done. You all tighten the brain, tighten stress, headaches all the time, migraines and things. Stop, breathe, go for a walk, meditate, and just use it as a mantra. Not my will, your will be done. I release, let go, and let go. Not my will. And if you're writing to the letter of a person like to that, uh, to the higher self or to the angel of John Brown, and it's funny because I actually have to know someone named John Brown. Anyway, to the angel of John Brown, I see you whole. I see you free, just as God created you to be. You are flexible. You are open and receptive to the inspiration of spirit as it works in through and as you right now. You are free in the name, nature, and consciousness of Jesus Christ, or whatever you want to say. All right. Fourth, how to reach the zealous, quarrelsome type. And to the angel of the church of Thyatra right which is revelation chapter 2 verse 18 all right uh this person they say they have greater ideals ideals than inner ability for producing idealistic results their resulting frustration flares up in temperamental behavior all right so this is sometimes people who have more zeal than wisdom who have they, they got all these ideas, but, no, but not the skills, not the talent, not the wisdom to accomplish it. So sometimes it can become quarrelsome because, you know, you want to run out there. But you don't, but you, you know, but you got to be mindful of how you run out there. You just don't run out there. So uh, this is connected to the Zeal Center. She wrote, metaphysically, the word Theatrical symbolizes the in- intense desire of the soul for the higher expressions of life. The zeal center in the in the body is located at the back of the neck. We would say medulla oblongata area, the brain box area. The health problems of the theotrin center is in the back of the head and spine. When you write to this type, decree for them peace, poise, power. I would say wisdom and divine order as well. Divine order, wisdom and divine order. Okay, wisdom and divine order. Affirm that their zeal is tempered with wisdom. She goes on to write, the sickness, pains, and thousands and one inharmonious and discord that come to this type of person results because of his zealous desire to do things on his own quickly, frantically, apart from wisdom. They ha- wisdom and zeal have to go together or you will burn yourself out. Hear me. Wisdom and zeal have to go together because zeal just says go. That's enthusiasm. That's the energy of God going. Let's go. Let's do this but it also needs wisdom. All right. It says in the process, he scatters his forces and dissipates the substance of his thoughts and emotion. This dis- dis- dissipation manifests as physical and emotional discord. So again, to the angel of John Brown, you will write this type of letter. You are now blessed with peace, poised power. Your zeal is tempered with wisdom. You rest, and relax in divine wisdom, and you are shown the way. You are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The next one is fifth: how to reach the fearful body devotees and to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? Which is Revelation chapter three, verse one. She wrote that uh, this is the timid, apprehensive type. They are body devotees. They're afraid of everything. You know, you know, the food over there, the what the drink, the drops, or whatever, the news, or whatever, et cetera. And no matter what you say to them, the book you put in their hands, the video you send them, they're stuck in their fear, fear. all right? Um, But when you affirm the truth in them, they get bold. So she wrote, this type is always changing his mind. In his health, the power center located in the throat is his weak spot. He develops sore throats, colds, loss of voice, and congestion in that area whenever he becomes fearful or upset. The power center is the spoken word in the throat to to bring into expression the ideas, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs you hold in consciousness. All right? So if if you're speaking this fear, it's going to affect you where you're speaking it and other places as well. All right? So you got to awaken that center, baptize it, quote unquote, within the spirit. And again, to the angel love, or to the higher self, to the Sardis type, you are right. All power is given unto you in mind, body, affairs, and relationships. The power of God is working through you to free you from every negative influence. Nothing can hold you in bondage. All power is yours to control your thought, to vitalize your body, to gain success, to bless others. You now unleash your divine powers, and you know what to do, and you do it. All right. To the sixth church how to reach the loving works type and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? Revelation chapter three, verse seven. All right. She said, this is the type that uh, talks about the brotherhood of man, but love but love to them means out of work alone rather than the inner consciousness of lo- love and peace. These are the people that go out and do stuff. All right. Uh, and they're selfless in many ways, but sometimes that, that love is not Internalized in a way in which they feel self-love and feel love, but they're out there doing. You ever be? You might be the person that's always doing for somebody, but but you also feel kind of funny because you don't feel as though it's reciprocated, that that it's appreciated. You know, you know, I do this stuff. Some people feel as though they got to be the people that's always doing stuff to feel love, to feel wanted. And you got to get to this place and space to where you realize that you are enough. That you, as you give service, you give service freely and lovingly. And that you use wisdom in all the spaces that you use. And where you need to be, you will be. And where you don't need to be, you won't be. And go from there. So she wrote it this way. that type of love is usually dominated by selfishness rather than selflessness. When they feel their efforts are unappreciated. They become unloving in their thoughts and actions. Strife, hatred, and warring emotions then take over. And the love center in the body, located in the heart, is affected. So when you're carrying that type of stuff, it can affect your heart. That's why when you go through tough relationships, you feel it in the middle of your chest. You feel it in your heart. Even though the heart is only supposed to pump blood as a like a muscle, is an organ. That's what it does. Why do you feel all of your emotions there? Because that's where that energy center is. So how do you deal with that? How do you balance it and not harm your love center? She wrote this, again, to the angel of the Lord. She gives an example of a person that had to use this work to get that consciousness of love where it needed to be. So you write to the angel of the Lord or to the, higher, uh, to the angel of or, to the high, uh, or the higher self of John Brown. I cast this burden on the angel of divine love. the angel of divine love now comes alive in this situation and in all persons connected with this organization or situation. The angel of divine love now reigns supreme. Again, calling forth divine love, the Christ in me is beholding the Christ in you. Seven, how to reach the unstable wanderers and to the angel of the Lord in Laodicea, right, Revelation 3:14. He says, this type often has an injustice complex. They they are unstable, unsettled, changeable, and they are wanderers seeking new doctrines and new places. They change their religious beliefs and political views often. They are restless, critical, temperamental. They often lament that they have been wronged and misused. You will find this type of person going from one job to another, from one club to another, from one church to another, and sometimes from one marriage to another. They are the joiners who do not remain with anything long enough to discover whether it will benefit them or not. The health problems of the Lodosians are usually found in the stomach and solar plexus area, region, because the judgment center in the body is located there, yet again, where you are with your choices and judgments and how it will affect you. Some people are too flighty. They ju- they're all over the place. And while you're all over the place in action, that means you're all over the place in mind. And if you're all over the place in mind, it can cause disrupt, disruption, not only in your life, world, and affairs, but also in your body. So how do you deal with that? Again, angel of the, to, to the angel or higher self of the individual, Joel, Jane Doe. We'll just use that one this time. Your justice comes from God and you trust him to regulate all your affairs. Divine justice now adjusts every function of your body and every detail of your life. You are, divine, you are now guided into your right place where you are divinely secured. That's just a method. Again, none of these prayers are gospel. These are examples. All right. She wrote, and I want to just wrap up with this. Uh, you should write to another an- another's angel as often as you feel inclined to, uh, to. Excuse me. I'm just butchering words. I'm going too fast today. You should write to another angel as often as you feel inclined to until results appear. It is good to address your notes to the angel of Jane Doe, John Brown, whatever, then ask his help concerning that person or its help. You don't have to use these male, female pronouns either. You can write it the way you want to write it. It is also good to write out affirmations directly to the person to whom you wish to reach. Be very quiet about what you're doing. However, since this is a secret technique that has power only if you keep it a secret. In other words, don't go tell somebody. I'm writing to your higher self. I'm writing to your angel. I'm writing to the Christ in you. No, you've already ruined it. This is a secret technique that you use. The father who sees in secret will reward you openly as as scripture says. Then she went on to write. The word angel means messenger of God. When it seems that your life is filled with defeat or that you are tempted to condemn yourself, do not overlook writing to your own angel or higher self. Write to your own higher self, write to the Christ in you. All right. And write what it is that you seek to experience. Write the affirmation out. All right. Then she wrote, last thing I'm going to cover. Never expect your angel or that of another to honor any request that might hurt or harm. Be willing that something infinitely better than what you have in mind comes forth as you use the angel writing technique. Sometimes it's good to write this god or better so you open yourself up to the possibility of larger she went on to right you then open the way for your highest good as well as the highest good of all involved to manifest in an unlimited way all right so i covered a lot of stuff today a lot of material next week i'm going to cover the chapter called chemicalization which is what happens when stuff starts stirring up in your body and you don't know what's going on as you're working through the process what's going on you start doing spiritual work and all of a sudden stuff starts popping up that wasn't there before. It's a healing process for stuff to old beliefs and their physical equivalents to get up and get out of you. Next, In the next episode, I'm going to explain that process so you know what you need to do. God bless you. I'll be with you uh, in the next episode, next week, no later with Truth transformer the Reverend Galen McDowell. God bless.